Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And this is Will. And today we are going to do John 5. So the fifth chapter of John is going to teach us uh, the compassion of Jesus. It's going to teach us um, how to be obedient, how to walk in grace and not the law. So tell us what the main scripture, the main principle is in this chapter. Warning, sin no more, lest something worse will come upon you. Okay, so there's a warning here, and he's telling this fellow that's by the pool of Bethesda that gets healed, uh, don't go and sin anymore. So when I used to teach four-year-olds, Will, I would, uh, I would say we would have a little lesson and we would talk about sin. Well, they didn't know what sin was. They were four. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, hitting your sister. And they'd be like, oh, yes, that's sin. That's definitely sin. And I'm like yelling at your mother. And they would be like, yes, that's sin. And so they could tell me what sin was. And then I'd say, but what if you're, what if you're kind and you go and you help your mom fold laundry? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's not sin. And so we, they could tell me, even though they were four. So there's these verses that says it's put into our hearts um, what sin is, that we – even people without the law know that murder is wrong. They know that um, stealing's wrong. So there are things in our lives that we allow that we should not allow. And uh, when we speak of that, all of our fingers need to be pointing at ourselves so that we correct ourselves. And then as we correct ourselves, our friends will correct themselves. So he said to him, do you want me to be made well in John 5, 6? So that would be our memory first verse. Because, you know, a lot of people will, they don't want to get better. Oh, no. Yeah. They kind of like being sick. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure how they get stuck wanting to be sick. But, you know, until you're ready, you want to be made well, um, you're not going to get there. So let's look at John 5, 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Okay, so what just happened? <clears throat> uh, they had a feast. And where'd they go? To Jerusalem. All right. And um, verse 5, 2. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrews Bathsheba. Bethesda. Bethesda, having five Porches. Yeah, so where's the pool? In Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate. And what's it called? Bethesda. It's called Bethesda. So there's a couple of words. If you wanted to get into a deep study, you could look up all the different gates and see what their meaning is, their hidden meaning. You could look up the word Bethesda. So who lay around these porches? In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. So why would they lay by this pool all day? Well, they're… Sick people. Yeah, they're sick. So sometimes when we're physically sick, emotionally sick, we're just stuck. We just do the same things every day. We go to the same places, and we're just stuck. So why did the people think that this pool was so important? For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the waters was made well of whatever disease he had. Oh, look at that. Now, I would think that that was a very special place and that the people laid around it because they wanted a little hope. 
It was a little hope there that that angel would stir it and they would be the first one down. Mm. So and let's look at verse 5 in chapter 5. Now a certain man was there who had in infirmity. infirmity 38 years. Mm-hmm. How long had that man been sick? 38 years. That's a long time. I've had a 25-year back injury, Will, and it's so much better than it was. But I'm ready for it to be done. <laughs> I'm ready for for Jesus to come along and say, "All right, we're done with this now." <laughs> but it, I'm sure it serves a purpose, and I've learned to to realize that the Lord does want me healed um, because there was a lot of years that I felt like I deserved to suffer. You know, where I'd been abused in the past, and where I was believing lies that other people had said to me, and then I was—I had this negative rumination going on with in my own head, being my own enemy. Until now, it's like, okay, Lord, I, I give you this affliction. Let it work in me to your glory. If it glorifies you more to heal me, then heal me. If it glorifies you more to afflict me, then do so. And as I do this surrender, I feel like I'm getting better. I'm getting much better. Every year I'm a little better. When Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Yeah, so who initiated this conversation? Um, Jesus. Yeah. And what did he ask him? Do you want to be made well? Okay, so there's Jesus coming to me, and he's saying, do you want to get over this? And I need to be saying, yes, sir, I do. Tell me what to do. <laughs> so how did that man answer him? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to pull me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Huh. So here he is again. He's a little hopeless. He's, he's sitting there waiting to get in, but he can't get in. So somebody would have had to bring him there if he's been paralyzed those 38 years. Somebody would have had to brought him there for, and had a little hope for him. So let's look at the next verse. Jesus said to him, rise, take your bed, and walk. So what would it look like? Now think about your greatest affliction. Think about your greatest infirmity, your greatest sickness, your greatest mental struggle. What would it look like to just get up, take up your bed, and walk? Of course, the bed was a little mat, and walk. And, you know, his his legs would have had to have been strengthened instantly. So I pray for you. I just pray that whatever is holding you back, holding you down, keeping you hopeless is is something that you can hear Jesus speak into so that you can rise above it. So let's look at um, what we just look, looked at in these verses. This hopeless man kept doing the same thing. Yeah, sometimes we're hopeless and we just keep doing it over and over. The pool of Bethsaida. Bethesda. Bethesda. <laughs> was a place in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. An angel stirred the pool, and the first one in was healed. Perpetual waiting, waiting. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Trying to be first. Trying to be first. And he didn't need to be first. He just needed Jesus. <laughs> Hopeless, discouraged, and no way for future change. Do you want to be made well? Yeah. Do you want to be made well? Jesus is the answer. So... Well, um, if these lessons, no one heard them, if we sat here an hour every Friday and recorded these and nobody ever heard them but you, it would still be worth it to do it. Um, it you're that precious. 
no matter where you're at in life, you you need to know that you're that precious, that Jesus will come alongside you, that he will disciple you, that he will find you in your hopeless, desperate spot. And he'll say, take up your bed and walk. And in doing so, I have to obey. I have to obey what he said, um, because otherwise, maybe I don't want to get well. Maybe I like the sympathy. Maybe I like being lazy. Maybe I like, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, just I've just got myself stuck in a self-defeating thought, so that every action I'm thinking, every everything that I'm doing is defeating myself. And so, I really want to make sure that I. I want that desire to get better, to move forward in my life. So let's ponder another thought. Have you ever had an encounter with Jesus that changed your life? So think about it. If you have not had an encounter with Jesus, then you have not met the Master. And I want you to ask Him to manifest Himself to you. And your job is going to be to listen to Him and to do what He commands you to do. Do you want to let go of the past and move forward towards health and wholeness? So there's a lot of things that, that hinder us from following Christ, that hinder us from getting stronger and getting better that we just need to let go of. And sometimes I think, in my mind and heart, I think if I just think it longer, think it harder, I can find a solution. But there are some things, Will, that are just stupid. I can never make any sense of them. I just got to detach and let go of them. So here I want you to think about a prayer. And ask God to show you any defecting thought patterns that need broken. Yeah, any defeating thought patterns no. that you want to break. That's okay. So now let's look for a challenge. Practice taking, taking defeating thought captive and exchange them for healthy, strong thoughts. So in Second Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it says, uh, take every thought captive to the Word of God, to the tearing down of strongholds. So there are strongholds in our life and in our minds that we need to tear down. And then once I tear down, like, self-pity, I need to build joy. I need to build walls of joy around my heart. When I tear down bitterness, I need to build compassion passion or mercy. When I tear down fear, I need to build courage. That way, I'm getting rid of the things that defeat me, and I'm put, putting up healthy, strong walls. Now let's look at the next section of John. Jesus can make the sick whole. <laughs> See, you have been made well. Now sin no more, lest something worse would come upon you in John 5.14. So what does John 5.9 say? And immediately the man was made well, mm. take up his bed and walk. And that day was the Sabbath. Oh, there's the problem. <laughs> the religious people have a problem. So immediately. So there are things that happen slowly, and there are things that happen immediately. So I just pray that you will get the answer to your prayers immediately. Now, what did the Jews uh, – what did this the Jews say to the cured, cured man? This man's cured. He's uh, – he obeyed Jesus. He rolled up his bed. He's carrying it around. What'd they say? The, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Hmm. They weren't worried about that man. They were worried about the Sabbath laws or religious laws. So, what did the healed man answer? He answered them, He who made me well, said to me, take up your bed and walk. Now, at this point, he doesn't know Jesus. He just knows that a man came in and said, take up your bed. Okay, so what did the Jews ask him next? 
Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Hmm. I don't think they're happy about that. They're not happy about somebody telling him to, to do something against the religious laws. So let's read uh, chapter 5, verse 13. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Hmm. So Jesus withdrew, and the healed man did not know who healed him. So later when Jesus found the healed man in the temple, he gave him a warning. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Yeah. (laughs) So when I indulge uh, my sin, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, lust, greed, selfishness, self-centeredness, self-pity, depression, when I indulge these things, I'm sick. And I might have had joy, but I lost it, and now this worst thing is upon me. This oppressive spirit is upon me, and I'm agreeing with it. So in order for me to get healed and to get well and whole emotionally, i got to detach from these things that make me sick. And I know which things they are because they cause me suffering. Okay, so 515. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, interesting. Here the man... um, did not know who had healed him. And now that Jesus comes and warns him, and he knows who he is, and he knows these Jews didn't ask him for reasons to go pat the man on the back, but the fact that he had broke the law and they were mad, this fellow runs right back and tells on him, isn't that, isn't that interesting? So what was the reaction of the Jews? For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus wow. and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. So they were very serious about their religious laws. They liked their law more than they liked people being healed. Um, So they used this and any other excuse that they could find to persecute Jesus. So sometimes the Lord will lead you to do things that are contrary to what your friends and family think you should do. Uh, it Maybe it's a, a tenderness, a giving, a, a forgiveness of somebody who's really wounded people, um, a helping someone that everybody has cast off, and you go back and do this, and then you're persecuted for it. And that's okay. So did Jesus imply that his Father works on the Sabbath? But Jesus answered them, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. Well, look at that, <laughs> and that's kind of a, it's kind of an answer that you would not expect him to be, to be mm-hmm. saying. But he's kind of he's a little bit saying now. Wait a minute, uh, the father doesn't stop working just because it's the Sabbath. All right, for what greater reason did they seek to kill Jesus? Therefore, the Jews sought out all the more to kill him, because he was only broke. Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Hmm. Yeah, they didn't like that. They didn't understand that he was the Messiah. They thought that the Messiah would come in, be born in a palace, born of a king, set up a throne, put down the rulers of Rome, and take back things in a different way than what was going on. And he was setting up a kingdom, but his kingdom was not of this earth. So let's look at... Um, what relationship Jesus is to God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself 
but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So what would it look like, Will, if my heart was so intertwined with the Father that I only did what he told me to do? That would be powerful, wouldn't it? That would be so powerful. So Jesus did what was considered work on the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath, and he commanded this man to pick up his bed and walk on the Sabbath. And we'll find other times that he healed on the Sabbath and made them mad. (laughs) So he was more concerned about doing what his father told him to do than about pleasing the religious leaders. So Jesus was much more concerned about a person being sick than about religious traditions. So when others don't understand, they may try to entrap you or instill your joy that the Lord has given you and just take it back. So when we find freedom in one area of life, we may lose it if we return to toxic patterns. So the Jews persecuted uh, Jesus for his oneness with the Father. But yet in uh, John 17, when we get there, we'll find that uh, he prays for us, and he prays for us to be one with him and the Father, which I think is so cool. So let's look at the things to ponder. Is there instructions Jesus has given you that are reluctant to follow? Yeah, so do is there anything that you feel like you should be doing, but you're just afraid to follow that? You're afraid of what people will think. You're afraid of fail, failing, uh, but you won't know until you step out. And sometimes, well, I um, have directions from the Lord, I think, but I'm not real sure. But if I move towards it and I step into it just a bit, I'll know exactly whether or not that's the Lord or not. And so sometimes I don't make a full-on commitment. I'm just like, well, let's see how it goes. And then when I step into it, if the Holy Spirit is powerful and it and it's feeding me and it's making me stronger and it's making me excited to be there uh, and I'm full, then I know, yes, this is the direction. But if I get there and I'm just exhausted when I leave, it's not, it's not it's not wasn't the Lord. So sometimes I just don't know. And even after years and years of walking with the Lord, sometimes you just don't know. You just have to step out just a smidge and see if it was the Lord. So give me another question. When you find an area of freedom in your life, do you move forward or take things for granted and then go backwards? Yeah, there's a, a, a natural tendency for our flesh to be complacent. It's just all there is to it. So I know there was years that I was, uh, I landed in a dark depression, um, probably a good three years. Well, it was really dark. I think I've told you guys about it before. And I had a lot of disciplines set up in my life. I had the scriptures that I listened to. I wrote the scriptures. I read my Bible. Uh, I listened to my praise music. I listened to preaching. And these things would cause the depression and the darkness to lift just a little where it was tolerable. But if I had not had that foundation set up in my life, I don't know what would have happened to me for those years. I could have just decided, because I can remember reading the Word thinking, I don't feel nothing. I don't hear nothing. Lord, did did is this even real? Did I just fake myself out all those years? I, mean, I was having all kinds of questions in my mind that was just not true, and yet I had to Because of the disciplines I set up in my life, I made it through that dark time. So I want you to think about what discipline do I need to land in so that if I do go out and sin, I come right back to that discipline and say, Lord, I I repent and help me turn around so that stubbornness doesn't get a hold of me, so that the 
evil doesn't get planted in my heart where that I can't get it off of me and I can't turn around. So give me another question, Will. What do you do when others don't understand your calling from God and persecute you? Hmm. What do you think we should do? Get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just not give them so much power in our life. Or we're like, uh huh, uh huh. I know what God told me to do. So I want you to write out a prayer, and I want you to ask God for long-term affliction, deliverance. Oh, deliverance. <laughs> we got this. Deliverance from long-term affliction. So you got all kinds of afflictions in your life. We all do: physical, emotional, financial, relational. I want you to to name those afflictions instead of just tolerating them and obsessing over them and worrying about them. I want you to lay them on that altar and in, and instead praise God. I don't know what you're doing here, Lord, but I trust you. Now here's your challenge: visualize a chronic situation that you can't change and release it to God. Psalms 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Can you visualize yourself on top of a high tower and push everything off the edge that is hindering you? <laughs> hey, I get up. It says the name of the Lord is a high tower, and the next section says, and the righteous run in and are safe. So if I'm safe, with the name of the Lord within his high tower, knowing who my God is, then everything that's hindering me, I can push it off the edge and say, nope, nope, this is my spot. This is, this is me. I'm the baby up here. I get what I want. So belief is passing from death unto life. And, well, there are things that, that I might indulge in my life in my thought life, particularly, that would uh, agree with death. And so instead, I know that when I'm agreeing with death because it's causing me a lot of mental torment, a lot of suffering. So anything that's causing you that mental torment and suffering, I want you to release it to God, to, to grieve over it, uh, to yield it, to detach from it, and then bring life into your heart through hope, through listening for your master's words. So I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life in John 5, 24. And that'll be our verse for this section. What well, does God show Jesus all things that he does? Why, why? does? why does he do it? So Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So the Father and the Son are one. The Father shows him what to do, and he does it. Now, in order for me to know what my Heavenly Father wants me to do, i got to stay really close. Um, used to, he had to yell at me. <laughs> he had to tell me three or four times. I had to pray, and then I'd get the answer, but I'd pray. I wasn't sure, and I'd get the answer, and then I wasn't sure, and I'd pray. And he'd have two or three different times that the same answer would come to me. And a lot of times now, well, I can just listen with silence. It's just this little, still, small voice. So let's see. Uh, can the Father raise the dead? For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom He will. Well, so look at that. The Father can raise the dead, and the Son has the authority to resurrect whoever He wants. So there is a power in coming from death into life, um, in being reborn, like Nicodemus was last time, and 
and understanding that there's an authority as Jesus lives in us, there's an authority to resurrect my true self, to not be stuck in that depression or that addiction or that problem. So who will be the one who will judge? For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. So there's a verse later on in the New Testament that says, if I would judge myself, I wouldn't have to be judged. So um, there's a, a richness in sitting quietly so that I can hear what's, what's, what I'm struggling with so that I can release it to the Lord and yield it to Him and ask Him how to overcome it. So now we're into John 5.23. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So how should we honor Jesus? Keeping his commandments. Yeah, we're going to honor we're going to honor the Father, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to honor the Father. And as we honor the Father, we'll be able to keep his commandments, we'll be able to honor him. So how can we come out of condemnation into everlasting life? Most assuredly I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Okay, now the key word here I see is here. Um, There is a physical ear, but there is a spiritual ear. And I have to sit with the word long enough to tune my ear to it so that I can hear the voice of my master. Um, So if the Lord is my shepherd, well, the sheep hear their master's voice. And so I remember being in the darkness and being uh, really tormented with the things that were going on. This was probably a good 25 years ago. I knew hundreds of scriptures, but I couldn't think of anything in the dark, but the Lord is my shepherd. And that was enough. That was enough to get me through those dark times. So um, what dead is Jesus talking about here? Spiritually. Mm, (laughs) Read the verse. Most Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Look at that. So there is a voice that I have to listen for so that I can come into that everlasting life, so that I can come out of that death state that I'm in. So John 5, 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. So what's Jesus' claim here? That he has life. Life. Yeah. So if life is in Jesus and Jesus is in me, now I have life. But there's a lot of flesh in me that brings me a lot of death. So I have to keep recognizing the difference between my spirit and my flesh and letting my spirit dominate. If my flesh dominates, I'm stuck in lots of negative emotions, and I have just quenched the spirit. So I want to make sure that I'm always giving room for Jesus to correct me, for me to recognize where I'm abiding in death and to move it out of the way so that life, I've got room for life in me. So John 5, 27. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Hmm. 
So God gives us Jesus authority, and that authority is very compassionate. He goes up and says, you want to get healed? Let's go. <laughs> so Jesus shows you the heart of the Father. He shows you that, that tender, loving kindness, that, that compassion. So who else other than the spiritually dead will hear Christ's voice? Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. Well, look at that. Even the physically dead is going to hear his voice. Okay, so 529. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Condemnation. So Jesus calls the physical dead from the graves, and he's going to call them up for their own judgment. And there's another verses that say um, that my words will judge me, that I will be judged by my words, um, and that out of my mouth comes what's in my heart. So I want you to listen really carefully to your own words. Are you are you cursing yourself? Are you putting yourself down? Are you putting others down? Are you fussing at children and, and uh, speaking death over them? Or are you speaking life? And I want the words coming out of your mouth to be life. So the Father loves the Son. And Jesus is, has the authority to judge and to resurrect us. So as we position ourselves, I think we can be resurrected. So honoring Jesus is honoring the Father. Belief is everlasting life. And in everlasting life, there is no judgment because <laughs> I've already judged myself. I've already put it under the blood. And it's as far as east is from the west. So when I believe, I have passed from death into life. So we need to have a physical and a spiritual resurrection. So where are we at with the questions? If I could make a scale for my belief from 1 to 10, 10 being the highest belief possible, what score would I give myself? You know, well, there have been times that my belief is 1, and there's times that it's been 10. And then there are other times it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> but the more I say to the Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, it's like I, I take the chains off his hands where he's allowed to uh, – intervene on my behalf. So no matter what it looks like, I want you to believe that God has your best interest at heart. So number two question. My anxiety is a signal of my unbelief. How much anxiety do I experience? Rate your anxiety from one to ten. Ten being extremely anxiety anxious. Yes. So if I have a lot of anxiety, that is a signal to me that, uh-oh, I forgot to believe. Lord, forgive me. I forgot to get in the Word today. I forgot to rehearse your Word. I forgot to speak to myself with life. Instead, I'm speaking death, and I am sorry. And I repent for that anxiety, and I move it out of the way and say, Lord, give me the strength to trust you. Now, give me another question, Will. If I am in self-condemnation, am I abiding in life or death? What do you think? Death. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't beat yourself up. There's no condemnation in those who walk in Christ Jesus according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. So if I'm beating myself up, I can't forgive myself, I'm stuck in guilt and shame in the past, I'm, I'm abiding in death, and I need to say, nope, the blood of Jesus it, uh, cleanses me and washes that away and receive his forgiveness. So I want you to ask God to awaken you out of that spiritual slumber, that he would open your ears that you might hear the voice of the shepherd. Practice asking God a question and listening for the answer. How will I know if I have a spirit 
of slumber. Hmm. How will you know if you have a spirit of slumber? I'll be snoozing away, won't I? <laughs> All right. That's Romans 11. Eight. Sorry about that. I didn't get that written out. Okay, as it is written, God has given them a spirit of slumber. I could not see and ears could not hear to this very day. So if you cannot see or hear what the master's doing, your spirit is asleep. And I need you to shake yourself and say, Lord, help me to arise. Help me to awaken. All right, so let's look at the next lessons. Is Jesus claiming to do this on his own accord? I can of myself do nothing, says Jesus. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteousness because I do not seek my own, but the will of the Father who sent me. So why is his judgment just and correct? Why is it just and correct? Because his Father. Yeah. He does not seek his own will, but the will of the Father. Yeah. So he's claiming unity with the Father again. Oh, those religious leaders are going to be mad again. <laughs> if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. So if Jesus witnesses himself, the witness isn't true. So how does he say that there is a witness coming? There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. Hmm. Let's see in the next verse what he's talking about. He, or you have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Look at that. It's John the Baptist. We've been studying John the Baptist and how he was the voice crying in the wilderness. Here it is. Here's the Messiah. And he saw the dove come and land on Jesus. And so he knew that Jesus was the one that God had chosen to speak to him about being the Messiah. So is the, is the only testimony coming from man, coming from John the Baptist? Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. Okay, keep going. He was the burning and the shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. So he's talking about John the Baptist, and he's calling him a burning and a shining lamp. So I want you to be that burning and shining lamp for people around you. So who is a greater witness than John? But I have a greater witness than John for the works which the Father has given me to finish the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. Well, look at that. He's saying now, okay, we've got John the Baptist as one witness, and the second witness is the works that I'm capable of doing that no man should be able to do. So that should tell you I'm from the Father. So the Jews heard the voice of God and seen his shape. Had the Jews heard the voice of God and seen his shape? And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. So he's telling the Jews didn't hear him and didn't see him. They, they didn't understand this message from John. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. Look at that. So the ones that did not believe could not hear the witness. They couldn't hear the witness from John the Baptist. And the reason they couldn't hear is because 
They weren't, uh, the word wasn't abiding. Yes. In them. So the word is life. And if you press into the word of God until it comes alive, now you've got life living in you, and you're going to be able to hear those witnesses, those ones that witness of Jesus about the miracles that are coming. Now, if you're standing on the outside of Christianity looking in, it's going to look a little crazy. <laughs> but if you're on the inside, you're like, oh, this feels like home. <laughs> so get on the inside. If it all looks crazy, just get on the inside. So when we are full of Christ, we are full of life and light. The fullness in Christ is oneness with the Father, and we become living witnesses to the work the Lord is doing in us. And John the Baptist is called the burning and the shining, the light. And the Word cannot abide in you if you are in unbelief. So I need you to move your unbelief and say, Lord, help me to believe. Now give me a question, Will. How much do you abide in your unbelief, grieving, anger, bitterness, unforgivingness, Self-pity, depression, lust, and greed. Mm, that's definitely unbelief that I don't know how to move my flesh. I don't know how to move this depression, this darkness. I, I just wallow in it. It's, it's like being stuck in the mud. What would it look like to intentionally abide in believing life, hope, joy, peace, love, self-control, faithfulness? Look at that. Look at that. So there's 49 character traits of Christ. There's the nine fruit of the Spirit. And as we practice this character, as we practice diligence and perseverance and, and honor and dependability and steadfastness, uh, we're practicing Christ. We're practicing goodness so that we'll be able to hold that abiding life and agree with life. So I want you to be aware of when you're abiding in death and when you're struggling. So here's your challenge. Practice walking in peace and not letting anyone steal it from you. <laughs> Wait, what is Jesus' instruction as to how you are to treat someone who steals your peace? Oh, I love this one, Will. <laughs> I love this one. This Forgive is what he him. says. If anyone will not welcome you, and listen to your words, leave that home or that town and shake the dust off your feet. He's telling you put up a boundary. If they cannot hear you, if they refuse to, yeah, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But shake the dust off your feet because if you don't, they just took your peace. And now you walk away and you're all confused and they've got your peace and they weren't worthy of it. So take it back. If somebody's persecuting you, I mean, Jesus didn't carry the... Um, death wishes of the religious leaders. He had life, and he was not going to let that offend him. So let's look at John 5, 39. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. So how did the Jews search for eternal life? Through the scriptures. Through the scriptures. And how could these Jews have life? But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Oh, in John 5, 4, Jesus says, yeah, you search those scriptures, but those scriptures speak about me, and you're not even willing to come to me. You're satisfied with just having a word. You're not satis you can't be satisfied until I'm in you. So does Jesus have the approval and the honor of men? I do not receive honor from men. That's in John 5, 41. He did not have the honor from men. He didn't need it. So those who persecute Jesus do not have what? But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. Huh. 
They do not have the love of God. So those that could not see Jesus, that could not uh, have their eyes open to him in the scriptures, their ears open to his words, did not have the love of God abiding in them. Maybe they had the love of religion. Maybe they had the love of their um, approval from man, their, their, the way people looked at them. So let's look at John five forty one. I have came in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. So when Jesus came in the Father's name, did the Jews receive him? No. No, they didn't. And who will the Jews receive in the future? One that comes in his own name. In his own name. And I think he's talking about later in the later times when people come and they profess their goodness and maybe maybe even the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. So what is the reason that these Jews cannot believe? Now it's right here in Scripture in five forty four. Why? What struggle? What struggle am I dealing with if I can't believe? How can you believe? Who receives honor from one another, and do not seek the honor from honor that comes from the the only God? Okay, so if I am a man pleaser, I think it's in Galatians 1, it says, if I am pleasing man, I have stopped pleasing God. Uh, and then in Proverbs, it says, the fear of man is a snare. So if I'm, a, I'm afraid of man, if I want to please people all the time, and so I'm changing my behaviors and I'm anxious trying to, to please them, then I'm not pleasing God. So I want to honor God first and then let everybody else fall where they fall. If they want to persecute me, fine. If they want to be happy with me, fine. <laughs> but that's not in my business. My business is to please God. Right. So who uh, will accuse these men? John five forty five. Do not think that I shall accuse you to my father. There is no one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. There, there is one. There oh, is one who, there is one. <laughs> who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. Because now he's talking about the word that Moses wrote. So how will Moses accuse them? For if you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote about me. How about that? So Moses wrote about Jesus. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? So do these men really believe Moses' writings? No. Because if they did, they would believe Jesus. So he's saying, you say you believe, you say you believe Moses' words, but you couldn't possibly believe because you can't believe me because the love of a father is not abiding in you, so you cannot hear me. So searching the scripture is in vain if we do not believe. Coming to Jesus and believing upon him brings life. And those who want the honor of men do not receive the honor of God. And persecutors have no love for God in them. So give me a question, Will. How can I recognize my need to receive gratitude or honor from people? Hmm. Yeah, if I'm fearful, if I'm worried about stuff constantly, if I'm not very confident in where I'm at and what I'm doing, um, I, I might be tiptoeing around people, and then I can I know that I've got some struggles to deal with there to start working through. Okay, number two. Can I develop compassion in the face of persecution by understanding that people who persecute others are abiding in unbelief and in death? Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty clear that I should not give them power over me, power to flip my mood, to take my peace, to make me uh, uh, give up on Christ, give up on uh, my church family. Um, 
but to abide in my belief and to let it ground me deeper in my love for God. Write out a prayer and ask God to show you hidden truths that you may believe. So as you study the Word of God, if there's a scripture that feels different than the other ones, if it feels a little highlighted, if it, it's a little bolder and it pricks your interest a little more, I want you to think about that because there's a hidden truth in that one. So write that one down and speak it to yourself throughout the day. And as you speak it to yourself, the Lord will illuminate things from it. So in the challenge... You could choose words like the feast. There's all these different feasts. You could choose Jerusalem, the pool of Bethesda, the sheep gate, the Sabbath, healings, Jesus' divinity, honor, persecution, or light. And you could take one of those words and you could Google it on your Bible app and you could read all the scriptures that have to do with that. And then you would maybe be able to, to figure out what are the instructions, what are the conditions, what's the warnings, what's the promises that go along with receiving this light uh, for um the feast, what did they mean? How did, how did, what did they mean to us these days? And so as you do this, and as you do this study, I want it to pique your interest for the studies to come that God will highlight to you through the Holy Spirit. And there is a, there is a, a way to feed yourself, to eat of His Word, so that you become strong and mighty in spirit. And this was Angie Meadows. And this is Will. If you want to listen to us again, we're on The Rock and Recovery on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Pandora.